We are in 2 Timothy this morning as we talk about a person in the Bible, a young evangelist. But often when you have an emphasis on a person, you don't mention someone else as a focal point. But actually, as Paul talks about his young protege, the evangelist Timothy, he mentions his mom and his grandmother who had a great impact in Timothy's life. And so if you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 3, and I think I'm going to go on through verse 7. So stand in God's honor as I read aloud from his word. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Let's pray. God, we, we bow before you. We bow our lives, our hearts to you. You are our hope and you are our God. And we do thank you for the impact of godly mothers and godly grandmothers too. Father, that have influenced many of us, Lord. Father, uh, as has been said, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. There's a lot of truth there, Lord. I pray this morning as we think of Timothy and these precious ladies in his life, that we would be too reminded, Lord, of ladies who've impacted us so deeply. So, Father, just guide the time that remains. We just want to continue to worship you. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us in this hour. And may you continue to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to mention at the end of the service as well that uh, for you ladies, there is a gift outside as you leave. I encourage you to take one. The church just wanted to offer something to say we're grateful for you and the godly influence that you have in your homes so I encourage you at the end um, to get get a gift on the way out uh, in 1907 mother's day became a national holiday in the united states and we have anna jarvis to thank for that her mother had died two years earlier she obviously deeply loved her mom and wanted others to remember her. And so from her efforts came a day for all of us to stop and to think about our moms. And if at all possible, to be physically present with our mom. And if not because of distance or because our mom's already with the Lord, to remember her and to take time to do that. And I, and I hope, I pray that you'll do that today. Tonight, we won't have services as our tradition to encourage people to spend time with their families on Mother's Day. 
Timothy was well loved of Paul. And as he thought of Timothy, what came to his mind was these precious women in Timothy's life. His grandmother and his mother who had such a great impact on Timothy. Um, there were four Bible scholars that met together and they were having a debate regarding the best translation of the Bible. The first, uh, who was the eldest respected scholar, and he said, well, I believe that the best translation of the Bible is the King James, the old King James, because it has such a majesty and the language is so beautiful and it impacts when you read in the King James. Another scholar said, well, my favorite is the New International Version. It has a contemporary flair and it really connects with the modern mind. A third scholar said, well, I like the New American Standard Bible because it is the closest to the original languages and brings forth a, a great translation of that intended meaning of the languages. And then a fourth scholar says, well, I like my mom's translation. And the other three scholars began to laugh and said, your mom translated the Bible? And he responded by saying, yes, she did. She translated every page of the Bible into her life, and it was the most convincing translation I have ever seen. Thank God for godly ladies, godly moms, and godly grandmothers who love their children, their grandchildren, with a love that speaks of God. You know, Jerry Hyder and I were talking earlier of, you know, an old saying, and it's so true that you and I may be the only Bible others ever read. And how powerful the influence of a woman who loves the Lord. You know, as it says, it, we often quote in Proverbs chapter 31 on the, you know, Mother's Day, and that famous verse, verse 30. I know in the NIV it says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. As you look through the history and the impact of godly moms, um, I think of Martin Luther, who was part of the Protestant Traf uh, Reformation. And, you know, that wonderful verse in Romans 1:17, the righteous will live by faith. And uh, there were these ideas of being able to, you know, purchase heaven by uh, giving a sum of money and, and Luther came back in his studies of the scriptures and said the scriptures are clear that we do not buy salvation. It was bought for us. We become righteous through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that was won for us on the cross. But Luther grew to love the scriptures as he watched his mom and her love for the Bible and so it impacted her. I think, you know, the Wesleys who had such a great impact. And of course, John Wesley and his brother Charles, who had written many hymns, and there were 17 kids in that family. As a matter of fact, their mom was so busy, her place of prayer and probably sanity, I think, was her closet, where she would disappear into the closet and she would pray. And she had a great influence and impact upon the lives of her kids. Reminds me of... Uh, well, it was a number of years ago when 
Um, George Bush was our president in office, and First Lady Barbara Bush said these words. She said, your success as a family, our success as a nation, depends not on what happens inside the White House, but on what happens inside your house. You know that's still true today. The best translation is a translation of godly parents, godly grandparents, those who live for Jesus Christ. It's great to come to church, but it is to be His no matter where you are in worshiping God. And that is the best translation to be seen uh, in our lives. Um, Paul said, I remember you in my prayers. Timothy was very dear to Paul. And it, he was one of those he certainly prayed for each and every day. And he says in that prayer, recalling your tears. He remembers the tears of Timothy. You know, so often we have the idea of, you know, with masculinity, you don't cry. I remember one popular song when I was a kid, and I can't remember the name of it, but there was, you know, a, in the chorus, it said, big boys don't cry, big boys don't cry. You know? But the truth of the matter is, um, there is something very powerful by being willing to show how deeply we care about one another. And Paul was remembering the time that he was separated from Timothy. And it came time for those two to part. Many tears were shed, as I'm sure they embraced and hugged. You know, it's funny. It makes me think back uh, when I graduated from seminary. And um, my roommate, who, you know, I thought I'll never see again. And so we hugged and we cried and all that stuff. And then he ended up planting a church where Cindy's parents lived, where Cindy grew up. So I saw him over the next decade every time we would go, <laughs> go to visit Cindy. But the point of the matter is there was a deep connection. And they weren't afraid to be honest with their emotions to one another. And I noticed that here at Kingsway in the time. There's been a lot of guys here who have uh, not been afraid at the appropriate time to shed a tear. I'm not talking about running around everywhere and being crybabies. But there is an appropriate time to just show that you care. That you love one another. And obviously, Timothy was able to do that. And where did he learn that? I believe a great influence was his mother and his grandmother. Evidently, scholars believe that Timothy's dad, who was not a believer or Jewish believer, he was a Greek, and uh, scholars believe he died when Timothy was young. And so he had a home where he was raised uh, by his mother and his grandmother. They were there to have that influence upon him um, in tenderness that they were able to show. It tells us in the book of Isaiah, God speaking uh, to his country, Israel, to his nation. He, he says to them, um, Will a mother forget the baby at her breast and not have compassion on the children she has born? It says, Though they may forget, I will not forget you. So there is a picture of the tenderness of God. Obviously, we refer to God as our Father. But in that picture, we, we see the nurturing 
aspect of God and the power of that tenderness. As a matter of fact, um, Paul refers in the scriptures, when I thought of you, I thought of you with tenderness and compassion when I prayed for you. There's not only tenderness, there's also godliness that Timothy learned from his mother and his grandmother. Uh, we see in our text, as, as they are mentioned at verse 5, he says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. The name Eunice comes from the Greek word um, that we know as a tennis shoe, <laughs> Nike. And the word Nike... Uh, literally means to conquer, to live well and to conquer. And so here's a woman who, she did that. <laughs> she lived well for Jesus in a world that was opposed to Christ, in a world that rebelled against Christ, a world that didn't know him, didn't understand him, and yet her life was victory. When Timothy looked at his mother and his grandmother, he saw victorious lives. Lives that genuinely lived for God and cared about God. Turn me to Acts 16. There are a couple of verses that give us background into Timothy. Uh, starting at verse 1, he came, uh, speaking of Paul, he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on a journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Paul didn't want there to be any kind of hindrance, anything to separate the messenger, Timothy, from the people he's speaking to were Jews. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Timothy had a powerful impact as people were saved and lives were changed. And evidently, this goes all the way back to where Paul was preaching years earlier and Lois and Eunice, his mom, they both were saved. They came to faith in Christ and they lived their faith and young Timothy watched them and he was greatly impacted and then he was called to preach and God used him powerfully, so powerfully that he began to travel with Paul and to be used to plant churches to be used to have that powerful influence for the kingdom of God. Years ago in England, there was a guy named G. Campbell Morgan who was a very popular preacher and mightily used of God. And he had four sons who also became preachers. At a family reunion, it was asked by a friend of the family, who's the best preacher here? Well, there was total agreement all four of the boys said, Mom. 
M.N.G. Campbell Morgan said, I have to agree, it's mom. And then he told a story. He said, as a matter of fact, my own mom impacted me greatly as I grew up and watched her faith. And, you know, oftentimes I would gather my sister's dolls and I'd place them by the bed and I would preach to them. You know, are, are you ready to be saved? Come down, you know, receive Christ. And well, I don't know if he did it that way, but, but anyway, in, in preaching, and he said, all that came. We watched Mom. There was that impact that made a difference. There's an old Scottish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. And Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who has a godly mother. And the beauty of that is, we talked about Proverbs 31 earlier. It says your children will rise up and call you blessed. There's that kind of impact that later in life your children will recognize you. You know, I've noticed it hasn't always been this way um, with my boys. All, all three of my sons are still in the area. And my daughter lives in North Carolina, but uh, especially over the last couple of years, Every time we see them, and we try to do this too, uh, we always say, I love you. And if we don't say it first, they say it before we do. And, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. And we hug and stuff. And uh, anyway, you know, to be respected uh, by godly life makes a difference. In Deuteronomy 6, it was commanded that the parents shared the word of God with the children um, no matter where they were going at all times in all places make the word of God known and that's still important today for all of us where else are they going to hear the word of God they're not going to hear it on TV it's unlikely or you know uh, social media it's gotten more and more unlikely as a matter of fact in some of the social media platforms to mention God and mention Christ is um, hate speech. hate to say it, but it's almost come to that point for, for many. Um, so we have to be loving, but we also have to be bold in our faith, and that starts at home. If it doesn't happen at home, where is it going to happen? And that puts a great responsibility on each of us. Matter of fact, uh, turn over, Paul mentions this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In the Jewish culture, you were considered a man at the age of 13 and a woman at the age of 12. So there was a time before that where the Scriptures were packed into the lives of the children from the parents and the grandparents to emphasize what matters, what is important, to have that base, that foundation that is so critical. And we can give our family everything, but if we don't give them a faith in God and Christ Jesus, what do they have? Listen to the words of Socrates, uh, the great Greek philosopher. 
in ancient Greece, uh, he spoke to the citizens before in the crowd, and he said, fellow citizens, why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and yet take so little care of your own children to whom one day you must relinquish it all? You see, we're all headed toward eternity, and we want to leave a legacy. And what better legacy to leave than a real faith in Christ? That's the call, guys, of what is needed, what is necessary. Which leads us to this third word um, in this presentation, in this message. There's tenderness and godliness that was portrayed by the mother and grandmother of Timothy. And this led to effectiveness, effectiveness in the life of Timothy and his ministry. When the two were combined, tenderness and godliness, there was effectiveness. When there is a genuine love for people and a genuine dedication to God, those together allow us to be effective ministers of the gospel. And when I say a minister, I'm not just saying someone who is paid by a church to minister. I'm talking about all of us who have been saved in the Lord Jesus Christ and who have a particular specific mission. And that mission begins in our homes. Many times those are the hardest places to minister. Paul tells Timothy, look at verse 6, for this reason. Well, what reason? Because, Timothy, I've watched your life and you're a tender guy. You really care about people and people see that. And also you're godly and people see that you care about your walk in Jesus Christ. That it's more than just a performance or a show. You really love our God, our Lord. And those two together have made you a great minister. And God has gifted you as an evangelist. So he says, fan, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. The laying on of hands, which means other people have seen that gift. And, and we're the cheerleaders and we have laid hands on you that God will use you in a mighty way. You are effective. And, and when those two are mixed together, a tenderness for God and a godliness, a, a genuine commitment and dedication to God, and then God is able to effectively use all of us. And that was first seen in the mother and grandmother of Timothy, which made a great difference, that gift to be stirred up. Now turn me to Psalm 127. That's where I want to, uh, to end here today in this message. Psalm, another uh, section of scripture often used on Mother's Day. Starting in verse 3, it says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from Him. Our children are called a heritage. I love one translator said, Your children are an assignment. God has given us a specific assignment with those He has placed in our home, those He has brought to us in the creation of a family. 
and they are not an accident. They're not a curse. They're not an inconvenience. The scripture says they are a reward. They are precious. A gift from God. And what about all those, because uh, there are a lot of people out there who would love to be parents, but they're not, they were not able to conceive, not able to, to have children. What about those people? Um, well, there are different ways to have a reward. I know quite a few who were unable um, to conceive and have children of their own, but I know quite a few people in, in that situation who children have found love because they loved them. They reached out to them and, and made a huge difference in their life. They don't have to be just the children that were born from you know a, a, a father and a mother. Uh, I think of different people in my life when I, when I was young besides my parents. I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So there were other adults in the church where I became a believer who became like parents to me and had a huge impact in my life. So it can be a reward by just being faithful to the Lord in the lives of children, by serving and loving those children. One of the failures I think that typically occur within homes is a failure to see the target that the parents are to have for their children. Notice uh, verse 4 of Psalm 127. It says, Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. So this picture of an arrow, they, they need to be, um, sh uh, the arrows need to be shot. They need to be aimed. The bow needs, uh, needs to be um, aimed and, and needs to be shot. The bow, the string pulled back aimed in a specific place. You see, God has created each of us uh, with specific gifts and specific bents, and, and part of our job as parents, and uh, maybe even as grandparents as well, is to watch those little ones. Look at how they're gifted. And to be able to direct them so that they can use those gifts and, and discover the, the great way that God has uniquely made that little one. And to, to help guide them in the way they are made to be useful and to make a difference and a contribution to others through the giftedness that God has uniquely given to them and that is a big role it is a big job of parents to be able to see that bent that God has given and to be able to direct accordingly to the glory of God so that person can grow up and be able to make a difference in the way they've been personally gifted okay as I come to the end of this uh I want to close with some powerful words by an unknown author. I don't know who wrote this, but I, I love what is said through these words. They speak about the power of a mom. It says, A mother appears to be a normal human being. She has all of the physical features that all people have. Two eyes, two hands, two arms, two feet, all connected to one body. 
That is what you see if you just look at the exterior of a mother. However, if you were ever a child, you would know that she has at least three sets of eyes. She has two in front. She has two behind her head so that she can see all those things she must see but are hidden from her. In addition, she has one on each side of her head so that she can protect the cookie jar at all times, no matter where she stands in the kitchen. All her eyes are capable of seeing through wood and plaster so she can tell what is going on behind closed doors. She has bionic ears. She can hear a dirty word whispered a block away. She can hear a complaint that is only thought when she assigns unpleasant tasks to her children. <laughs> With her many arms and hands, she can prepare a meal, find dead dad's shirt, change a diaper, run the vacuum cleaner, and hug two children all at the same time. With strong, fast legs, she can move about the house like a speeding bullet. She patrols the streets, stops a fight in the backyard, catches a tennis ball before it flushes down the toilet, prevents a child from falling out of a tree in the front yard, and moves all toys out of the driveway before Dad gets home all at the same time. Her endless supply of energy can only be a God-given attribute. She is first to rise each morning has breakfast ready for the family as they get up, gets each child ready for school, is both a barber, beautician, fashion consultant, chairwoman, budget director, purchaser, paradigmic, uh, veterinarian, interpreter, travel agent, interior designer, and is the last to go to bed at night. With a tender kiss, she can heal everything from a cut finger to a broken heart. With her kiss, she can convince a balding 50-year-old man that he is just as handsome as he ever was. <laughs> Her ability to love is exceeded only by God's love itself. Her love grows with each child, and it is impossible to tell the success or failure of her children by her love. A child can fall to no depths that will diminish her love, and a child can achieve no heights of success that will increase it. Her love is protective, tender, constant, understanding, forgiving, unchanging, unselfish, giving, contagious, comfortable, and everlasting. The nearest thing we can see in the world to God's love is a mother's love. So as I close, I, I want to make one final point. Paul is talking to Timothy. This letter is addressed to Timothy. And, of course, he loves Timothy, and he has great memories of the giftedness of God being used in this young evangelist to encourage Paul and the church of God. But before he speaks about the faith of his young protege, Timothy, he says that first there was the faith of your mother and your grandmother. As we think of our families First, there's a faith of our mothers and our grandmothers. Are you a frontier woman or a frontiersman ready to go in places that seems like wild country in this world we live in, in this culture and in this time, to pave a trail as a trailblazer that says, I love God and I want 
the people around me to love God, watch me as I move forward in faith. But before you move forward in faith, you have to take that first step of repentance. You have to say, God, I am not able in my own strength to be who I'm meant to be. That only comes when you do a work in my life. When I am born from above, when I am changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, when I say, Lord, forgive me, enter in. Do a work within me. Set up your home here. So if you haven't taken that first step, you can't be a trailblazer and do the journey. You have to first take that step of faith before you're able to move forward in faith. And so if no, if there is anyone here who has not taken that first initial step of faith, it's the invitation today to take that step of faith in Christ and to profess before the people here, Jesus has changed and forgiven me, and then to take that step in baptismal waters to be able to, to show a, a picture of what's happened in your life under the water, you know, dead to the old way of life, out of the water. I've been raised to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. Take that step if you haven't. And for all of us, may we be challenged to be the people we are meant to be. And that can only happen through the power and the work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Timothy and, Father, how you used him, Lord. But before he was used, you used his mother and his grandmother to impact him, to show what it means to follow Jesus. I thank you for those ladies. And, Father, I thank you for the ladies in my life and the lives of each one here. I thank you that there are some of those ladies here today and maybe some who haven't been but want to be. And Father, I just pray that you would just do a work in us, Lord, to follow you, to make a decision for you right where we are. We are in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus and what a better place than in a mom and a grandmother. And Father, for us men as well, we need Christ. So, Father, I just pray that, Lord, you would speak and that we would follow. And, Lord, thank you that on a day to remember godly moms, Lord, that we would just remember how important it is to be an example by following the example, Jesus. So work among us, Lord, in a time that we call response and invitation. May we respond to your call. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.